The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Before we begin, I have two very important announcements for everyone. The first is that on October 15th, this next upcoming Saturday, we're going to be holding a fundraising sale for the ministry at Freedom Fellowship Church. So we really encourage all of you that want to support our ministry, come out and visit the sale. We're starting at 9 a.m. October 15th this upcoming Saturday, next week. And any purchase you make will go to supporting this radio ministry and Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International. So I really encourage you to come and visit us at 8419 Callahan Road here in San Antonio, Texas at Freedom Fellowship Church. The other announcement that I have for you guys is that on October 28th, we are having a prophetic and leadership training. It's going to be October 28th, Friday evening, and October 29th, Saturday for most of the day. And it's going to be at Freedom Fellowship Church. Now is the time to get registered. God is really speaking to his people and preparing us for a mighty move, the likes of which the world has never seen. So if you want to register for this leadership and prophetic conference, then I encourage you to go to our website, SOGMI.org events. Again, that is SOGMI.org events. You need to register to attend, and it costs $25 per person to attend. This is not something you guys want to miss. God is really preparing the body of Christ for his mighty, mighty move. As we jump into the topic for this week, the important thing that we have to remember is that God wants to put the body of Christ in a position of authority and influence and affluence. But in order for us to step into that destiny that God has for us, the body of Christ has to mature. In Galatians chapter 4, starting with verse 1, Paul is speaking to the Galatian church and he says, What I am saying is that as long as an heir is underage, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the entire estate, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. You see, God cannot entrust the body of Christ, influence, and authority, right? We might be sons of God, right? We're part of the family of God. But until we step into maturity, we cannot partake in that inheritance that God has for us. We have to become spiritually mature. And there are a lot of immature and selfish Christians that are wondering, why haven't these things manifested? Why hasn't God done these things? And the reason why is because many Christians are not mature. Because you would not give influence over a billion-dollar company to a child. They would have no concept of how to responsibly manage a business like that, right? They might just take the money and spend it freely, do whatever they want with it. God is not calling us to influence and blessings so that we will just do with it as we please, we have to do the will of the Father God. 
Many Christians, unfortunately, if they were to suddenly come into vast wealth and influence and power, most Christians would begin to just do as they please. When Samson walked the earth, he just did whatever he wanted, right? He saw a woman that he liked, he went and got her. He played with the power and the blessings that God gave him, right? And he didn't cry out to God until after he had been subjugated and imprisoned by the Philistines. And a lot of Christians are like this. They'll do whatever they want. They'll do things their own way. And then when they get into trouble, that's when they cry out to God. That's when they, oh God, save me from this and I'll do whatever you want, right? They go to God after they've already gotten into trouble. We have to be thinking about the will of God everywhere we go. We have to be thinking about his purpose, about what he wants to do and everything that we do. And it should be the first and foremost thing in our mind. Another problem that comes from this spiritual immaturity is many Christians will insert themselves into the middle of things to try and get attention. You see this a lot of times in Bible studies and prayer meetings where people will show up not because they want to pray for the nation, not because they want to follow the will of God, because they want to get attention. Look at what I'm doing for God. Look at this. Look at that. Right? They will make the entire event about them. This is the same as a mindset of a child, because a child wants attention. And this is something that is to be expected from immature new Christians. But there are many, many believers that have now been saved for decades and decades that still do this, that are still inserting themselves into the middle of everything to try and get attention. Or maybe they'll just try to get what they want. You know, they might say to the pastor, tell my husband to do this, tell my wife to do this, right? Why do they need to be the arbiter for you? You see, a sign of maturity is taking responsibility. We have a responsibility to hear from God ourselves and to obey his will. In Luke chapter 12, starting with verse 8, Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God and what it looks like to follow God. He says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. See, so he's telling them about what it looks like to live a godly life. And not only that, these things that Jesus is saying right now, right? When you're brought before the Pharisees and Sadducees and courts and all these things, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Holy Spirit's going to teach you what to say. The Holy Spirit's going to give you words to speak. And the disciples ended up living this out in the books of Acts and Romans, right? Because they were brought before magistrates and the Holy Spirit of God gave them words to say, right? So this ended up being preparation for the leadership that the disciples and the early church was going to have to go into. So these are all important things. But I want you to look at what happens in verse 13. It says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to invite the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, 
Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So here Jesus is talking about how to follow God, how to trust and be led by the Holy Spirit. This is the message he's focusing on right now because that is what the Father God directed him to do. And now this man was sitting in the crowd, sitting through all of that, and the only thing he's thinking about is, I want you to tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Right? He's just thinking about how he can get his brother's money. And that's the only thing he's thinking about. I guarantee you, he was listening to all of Jesus' teachings and not a single word of it was being retained by him, right? It was going in one ear and out the other because he was just thinking about what he wanted. He was just thinking about what he wanted to get and how he wanted Jesus to help him get it, right? And this is a sign of immaturity and selfishness. And unfortunately, there are many Christians that operate like this. He took this entire teaching that Jesus was doing and completely derailed the conversation. He completely derailed it. And so now Jesus, afterwards, he tells a parable, the parable of the rich fool, about the, how there was a certain rich man who yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, I don't have any place to store my crops. So he built all these storehouses and all these big barns, and then he built bigger ones and bigger ones so that he could say, you know, I've got all of this grain that I've laid up for years so I can take life easy, right? That's what he said to himself. In verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So Jesus took this man and he turned him into part of the lesson, right? <laughs> he ended up using him for part of the teaching. But then from there, Jesus redirects. Okay, so this man comes in and completely derails the conversation. And Jesus He's thinking, how do I get this conversation back on track to where we're focused on God? So he tells this parable about the dangers of focusing on riches. And then he redirects in verse 22. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storerooms or barns, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? So Jesus, after this guy derailed the conversation, he told a parable about the dangers of riches, and then he redirects and talking about, look, you don't have to worry about these things because if you trust in God, he will take care of those things that concern you, right? If he's able to clothe the flowers and the grass, so much more for you, a child of God. And then he continues and he says, And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things. And your father knows that you need them. Right? He says, look, the father God knows that you got needs. He knows you need to eat. He knows you got bills to pay. Right? And then in verse 31, he says, But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus was able to successfully redirect the conversation back to God, the focus back to God. And he 
says to them, look, if you put God first, he's going to take care of your needs. And this is something as leaders we need to be mindful of. We need to be mindful when we have stepped outside of the will of God. So many Christians are not even paying attention to where the will of God is. It's not even on their radar, right? So in order for Jesus to recognize that this man has derailed the direction away from where God wants to lead it, he has to be thinking about, well, where does God want these teachings to be led? Where does God want us to go, right? First and foremost, the will of God has to be in Jesus's mind in order to be mindful that what this guy even brought up was a problem. Because so often we will step out of the will of God without even realizing it. And many other times we'll allow other people to cause us to step out of the will of God. Even Christians, right? We'll allow Christians who are supposed to be our brothers and sisters in Christ to derail us away from the will of God. And this is something that we have to be very mindful of. But the only way we can be mindful of it is if we're actually thinking about God, what is your will? God, what do you want me to do? And this is an important thing that we have to step into to become leaders in God's great move that is coming. Because when influences and riches come, there is no shortage of distractions and temptations. And there's no shortage of people that will be vying for your attention, that are going to be trying to get a little piece of the blessings that God has given you. You have to be thinking about the will of God in everything that you do. And until we can apply that in our lives as they are now, when we don't really have that much, then we are not going to be able to be trusted with the riches of the nations. And so this is something that I want you to be mindful of when you go about your day-to-day -day conversations. As a leader, you have to be thinking about, even in your normal everyday conversations, God, what would you like to see happen in this conversation? What is your will concerning my workplace? What is your will concerning this conversation I'm having right now with my coworker? And if we just make ourselves open to the leading of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go, we will start to look more and more like Christ. Because now, if we understand that, oh, we've stepped out of the will of God, now we can start to get the handle back on the steering wheel and steer back towards where the Holy Spirit wants us to be. But we have to be mindful of it. And it's so unfortunate that because so many Christians compartmentalize their walk of God, right? They go to church and then as soon as they, oh, that was such a great sermon, right? And then they go to lunch and then it's conversations as usual. It's living life just as you did before. And this doesn't just apply to like Christians that are Christians in name only, that they go to church and then they're partying all week. I'm not just talking about that because that's a problem, obviously. I'm talking about... We're going to church, we're singing praises to God, and then as soon as we step outside of the church, the will of God is not even anywhere close to in our mind. It's nowhere on our radar, right? We step out of church, we go to lunch, and then we just carry on conversations as normal. We carry on life as normal, go through our habits just as we've always done. We're not even thinking about his will in our day-to-day -day life, and that is what needs to change. 
because you can't recognize that you stepped out of the will of God if you're not even thinking about what God's will is. That's the truth. And the truth is, is that we have to ensure that in everything that we do, we do it unto the Lord. And for those of you, and I know that there are leaders and movers and shakers that God has called that are listening to this broadcast right now, understand that whatever responsibilities, whatever instructions God has given you, that is a holy and a sacred thing and is your duty to protect it and ensure that it manifests according to God's will to the best of your ability. That is your responsibility. And if you let go of it, you are showing that you don't believe in God. And if you let people derail the mission that God has given you, where God called you to some industry, and then people come in, oh, no, no, you need to do this. Oh, well, you know, I've always done it this way, right? It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter what's worked in the past. What is God saying? Your responsibility is to obey God regardless of what other people are saying, including Christians. And to really drive this point home, I want us to go to 1 Kings chapter 13. This is the story of a young prophet from Judah who God sends to Bethel. And God gave him instruction. He said, you're going to prophesy against this altar that it's going to be destroyed. And that's what he does. In the midst of, you know, the, the room was full of people, right? There was all these people there, including the king. The king was sitting there. And this prophet from Judah comes in and he starts prophesying against this altar. He says, Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David on you. He will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here, and human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart, and the ashes on it will be poured out. Now, the king was sitting right there. Right? So he was in the midst of just regular day-to-day -day stuff, and this guy's out there prophesying against the altar. So when King Jeroboam heard that the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Seize him. But the hand he stretched out towards the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart, and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. So immediately, his prophetic word, the sign that he gave in his prophetic word, immediately came to pass. That is such a powerful thing. And so the king says, look, my hand is shriveled up. Can you intercede before the Lord that it's going to restore? And he does. He prays to God, and immediately the king's arm goes back to normal. So the king said to the man of God, and this is the important part, come home with me for a meal, and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half of your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. God gave him a specific set of instructions. You're going to go there. You're going to prophesy against the altar. And then you're not going to stay at anybody's house. You're not going to accept any offerings from them. And you're not going to go the way that you got there. You have to go home a different route. Very specific instructions. And it's this young prophet's responsibility to ensure that he obeys them. Now it says in verse 11, Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel 
whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. So this old prophet knows everything that happened. Their father asked them, which way did he go? And his son showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. And when he saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it and rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree and asked, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, Come home and eat with me. Right? He's asking the same thing that the king asked. But the man of God repeated his instructions. I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, You must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. The old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by a word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah, This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in a place he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. And so when the man of God left, a lion met him on the road and killed him. The man of God did not make it home. And this seems like a very harsh thing, right? Because the old prophet lied to him. Why would God do this? But you have to understand, first and foremost, the instructions and the directions of God are the most important thing in your life. And any instructions that God gives you, you have a responsibility to fulfill them as God told you to do them. And the shocking thing about this story is that this man was derailed, right? He was pulled out of God's will by another believer, by another prophet who pulled him away from God's will. And there's even a dynamic here where this old prophet, right? So he's been serving God longer than this young prophet. So there's this, you know, appeal to seniority. Look, I've been in the ministry for 50 years, right? You should, so you should listen to my advice. I've been following God for so long, so, oh yeah, I should probably listen to them. Oh, I should probably see what their opinion is, okay? It doesn't matter who's telling you their opinions. If it goes against the instructions of the Lord, you need to completely disregard it because you have a responsibility to obey God. And it really makes you wonder, why did this prophet do this? Why did the old prophet lie to the young prophet? Could it be perhaps jealousy or envy that this new unknown prophet is popping up and is getting all of the credit for all this stuff? Could it be that God had not used or spoken to this old prophet in a long time? And in seeing this young prophet being used by God reminded him of his own failures. We don't know. But what we do know is that God held the young prophet responsible for his disobedience. Because let's face it, if God tells you something, then it shouldn't matter what anybody else says. You have a responsibility to obey it. But in order for you to recognize if somebody is trying to pull you out of the will of God, you have to be thinking about the will of God first and foremost. 
which is why the scripture tells us, right, you know, bind the law of God, bind the word of God on tablets in your heart. You got to meditate on God's will day and night. Keep it first and foremost in your mind so that if someone, whether an unbeliever or a believer, is leading you out of God's will, you will recognize it and then you will know that that is not the path I'm supposed to go on. So let us make God's will first and foremost in our lives. Amen. Well, I'm out of time for today. As a reminder, don't forget, next Saturday, October 15th, we are having a fundraising sale at 8419 Callahan Road here in San Antonio, Texas. I really hope to see some of you guys there. And don't forget to register for our Leadership and Prophetic Conference for October 28th and 29th. You can go to our website, SOGMI.org events. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Joshua Sasso, and you've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I dot org. That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this broadcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to SOGMI.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P.O. Box 1579, Helotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is P.O. Box 1579, Helotus, Texas 78023.